Um, are you ready to start the movie blues podcast with Dan and Dan? Yeah, I've been ready for a solid hour and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the movie blues podcast. I'm actor Michael Douglas. <laughs> and I like sex. And I'm, I'm just regular Dan and <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean it. I, I, I didn't mean it. Um, today we're going to be looking at, um, God, one of the finest films I've had, uh, the true pleasure to grace with my mind twice now in my life. Um, that film is 1994's Disclosure, um, starring Michael Douglas and famed actress Demi Moore, um, slash Ashton Kutcher's ex-wife. And, uh, Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was the best period of time. That was the best timeline. How did that happen? What a how did <laughs> that, that, that son of a bitch? <laughs> she did more for like women's liberation uh, by just fucking Ashton Kutcher and bringing him into their family than anything she attempted to do in this film. Um, but as it is, this is a film uh, directed by Barry Levinson. Um, it is more importantly based on a book by Michael Crichton, um, author of Jurassic Park, uh, among other things and uh, kind of king of 90s sci-fi techno-thriller literature. Um, this was definitely... This was not that. <laughs> this was definitely one of his lower swings at, at, up to bat, but... Um, this, is, this is minor Crichton. <laughs> this is definitely crap Crichton. Um, I, I cannot believe that this is a novel as well, and like, God, if I had the time and wherewithal, I would read it, but I don't. Um, yeah, I've been I've been toying with the idea. Um, I've got a couple by way ofs uh, for this one. Do you have any by way ofs you want to no, share? No, I got no by way. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start off with Fatal Attraction by way of VR Troopers. Um, <laughs> coming up the rear, we got The Color Purple by way of Wall Street. Jurassic Park by way of An Indecent Proposal. Okay. Congo by way of Striptease. And uh, Hitchcock by way of Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. No, um, uh, no Lawnmower Man in there. No, I feel like Lawnmower Man speaks for itself. The more we, uh, <laughs> the more we <laughs> connect uh, that episode in this, is like the more obvious that you know we're kind of going for a pretty singular uh, theme and type of film this season uh, in our off episodes. I would call these. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, just to skip to the point for any of our listeners. Um, uh, it's pretty much all about VR, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow. You told me this movie was about VR, and, you know, VR was alluded to, it was mentioned, it was, like, his job, but it, there was... I was very disappointed about the, the overall lack of VR, and then, then out of nowhere, <laughs> bam, we are, we are fucking in it. We are in VR world. I would say the VR scene in this film, while only like two or three minutes long, was far more like effective and hilarious than an entire hour and a half in it of it, uh, of it in Lawnmower Man. Yeah, I mean, this one seems like what one would actually want VR to be like, whereas the Lawnmower VR was basically like a combination of that. Um, Remember back in the day, the like Windows screensaver where it would just be someone running through a maze. Mm -hmm. It was like that if the maze had no like up or down orientation. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, <sighs> wow. Um, while like with like House of the Dead type zombies coming at you at all times. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, as uh, Dan is kind of alluding to here, um, this film did not need to include VR. Um, it didn't need to really include any of the technological aspects uh, that yeah. were included in it because, and we're kind of burying the lead, this movie's about one thing and one thing only, and that's power. Sexual harassment. Um, like, what, like, you would have to think that the VR holds a bigger role in the book if they bothered to include it in such oh, a shoehorned oh, 100%. way. 100%. Because in this, it's basically like Michael Douglas works at a VR company and uh, an hour and 40 minutes into the movie, he's going to enter VR world for two minutes to <laughs> essentially delete files. Um, it, to be honest, I mean, uh, boiling it down to its rare essentials, um, this movie is something that I have always enjoyed because it's part of like this hot streak of 90s Michael Douglas movies um, that are... It's kind of like... Um, before Black Mirror existed, um, Michael Douglas made like 15 movies that all had kind of the same plot, and they're all about six. Um, they're all about him just like either like getting like sexually assaulted or sexually assaulting other women or trying to kill his own wife yeah. or his friends playing a game on him that includes sex. It's, <laughs> it's all like like any or movie that he made in the 90s. Exerting power. But like it, it, the, the thing with Michael Douglas is like. You know, many times in this movie, people are like, hey, what's his character named? Tom Sanders? What yeah. A, yeah. Tom, what, San what Tom a, Sanders. What a name that does not befit Michael Douglas whatsoever. Yeah, they're try <laughs> they were trying to do, like, a role reversal to show that he doesn't have power, so let's name him something, like, really innocuous. <laughs> um, you know, they, um... They really want to paint him as something he's kind of not in this movie. Like, people are constantly... Like, three or four characters come up to him in this movie and are like, Man, you're looking tight. You're looking, like, rock hard. And he's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I, I play a little ball in my free time. And it's like, Dude, you're, yeah. you don't look in shape at all. You look like my dad. It's yeah. like... <laughs> They they were doing a lot of work to to frame Michael's character yes. Michael's character in a way that he just wasn't like. Um, <laughs> I think I, I texted you within five minutes of the movie because someone said uh, when push comes to shove he doesn't have the guts and I was like oh well surely this will come out throughout the entire movie. <laughs> surely his battle for guts will not be the centerpiece of this entire film. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his, his guts will be not questioned. <laughs> Um, uh, so to get everybody kind of on the same page, I'm going to play a trailer up front for this movie. Here you go. What's Daddy wearing around his neck? This is a tie. Daddy's getting a promotion. Today was to be the biggest day of Tom Sanders' career. What happened? I didn't get it. The new vice president will be Meredith Johnson. Meredith? We don't know anything about this woman. I do. I had a thing with her. But now... His entire future. Do you have a problem working for me? Oh, Tom, what are you going to do? Grin and bear it like I usually do and hope it doesn't get any worse. Is about to fall into the hands. I have a family now. That's exactly why I can trust you. You have a lot more to lose than I do. Of a woman from his past. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Nobody has to know. Nobody gets hurt. Just stop. I'm not gonna do this. No! You can't stop! No! She said you sexually harassed her. She harassed me. Get back here and you finish what you started or you're dead. Do you hear me? You are dead! We just have to hope he's smart enough to see he doesn't have any options. I want to know whether I can sue her for sexual harassment. It's a very dangerous game, Mr. Sanders. Are you willing to play it? When push comes to shove, he doesn't have the guts. Oh, don't tell me you're scared of me. Set me up. We pushed him too hard. He has nothing to lose. Well, he hasn't told his wife yet. How could you make that woman into a lie? If they can come in here between me and my wife, take my job, and take a family, the house that we have made. This is a bomb we're sitting on that can blow everything sky high. The thought of losing millions of dollars happens to get stuck right here. Poor Sanders. You have no idea what you're up against. As usual. We'll see. Snaps. Wow, what, what an amazing trailer. That trailer blasted my nuts off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got a classic 90s uh, 
Michael Douglas romp. The only thing that I would say differentiates this from like a perfect murder and the game and stuff like that is that this is bad. Um, <laughs> this was this movie is extremely wrongheaded, and not only in it, in its approach to technology, its comments on Silicon Valley, its um, pathos over corporate workplace power battles. It's it's mostly the sexual harassment stuff. I mean, this movie came out during a period of time when a it was basically the proto Me Too movement where rashes of women, especially in corporate settings, were exposing their bosses of all these things, blah blah blah. And 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 the whole time I'm you know, you just have to picture Michael Crichton like watching the news being like, you know what? These women are really these, telling a tall tale. These fucking whores. <laughs> they think they think they can have it their way, but using yeah. VR, I will show them that even a man can be sexually harassed in the corporate yeah, workplace. Th this completely changed my view of Michael Crichton as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this. Movie, I now picture him as like every like. 60-year-old man watching Fox News mm -hmm. being like, Weinstein clearly would never do that. To say or, that or this like, movie... what's wrong with jerking off with your employee in the room? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sex. It's about power. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's incredible to watch this movie because you really see the gears working. Like, you see Mike, um, you see Michael Crichton try to basically paint a world in which, like, women are sexual predators and, like, serial pederasts and, like, Michael Douglas gets sexually harassed by Demi Moore which is really the the, the crux of the plot of the film, um, and then she kind of turns around on him. The thing is, like, you can see the gears working of Michael Crichton thinking to himself, like, okay, I'm gonna present, like, an edgy, like, other narrative to how sexual harassment can work, but, like, no one was asking for that, no one has ever needed yeah. that. Um, this movie is essentially one giant gaslighting of the Me Too movement. It contains every single, like, um, like, straw man bullshit argument that people use to this day. It's basically one giant movie of whataboutism. It's like the early 90s presented to our culture as a whole. Hey, women are in the workplace now. They're treated pretty, like, horrendously. Maybe we should, you know, like, do something about that and make some laws. And Michael Crichton seemed to have written an entire story of, well, well, well what about white men? We have it hard. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, well, what about false accusations? Women lie sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, well, what about when no actually means yes? Um, um, well, well, what about... Um, you know, w w I thought we're supposed to all be treated equally. Um, um, yeah, like, I mean, the portrayal and the message being sent by this film is truly reprehensible. I'm sure that any person who's ever heard of sexual harassment could envision a world in which a man could be sexually harassed, but should that be the center focal point of a giant $100 million drama sci-fi film? I don't think so, personally. I don't think the world needed um, the white man to be spoken for in this case. <laughs> I think that we've spoke enough as a unit. Um, yeah. uh, it just was... Um, it was an incredible film. I mean, mostly because like it, the the entire time I couldn't stop thinking one thing. Right. So you have you have a whole film that is built upon the following premise, and we're going to get into Michael Douglas's job. We're going to get into his absolutely ridiculous workplace and and all sorts of things. But boiling the sexual harassment <coughs> thing down, we have a situation where Michael Douglas is looking to be promoted to being the VP of his company. Demi Moore gets brought in from another office. She's promoted over him. They're old acquaintances. They used to have a very torrid love affair back 20 years ago or so. Um, Michael Douglas meets with her one night <laughs> on her request. Um, she is so forward with him, it's absolutely sickening. She sexually harasses him, and he says no about 145 times, and then the entire rest of the 31 movie... 31 times, Dan. The entire rest of the movie is them basically flipping it on him, and, and, and we're going to get into all of this, but the point of what I want to say about it um, is that, like... What if this movie, right, the only portrayal of what really happened in that in that room is the one scene where it actually happens, where she abuses him and blah, 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 blah. I kept thinking, like, what would have happened if he really would have sexually harassed her? And then the entire movie is, like, a horror movie about Demi Moore. Like, like take the exact same script, like, barely change anything, maybe the resolution, and just make it so that he really does. And yeah, right, right, right. Like, the entire rest of the movie is predicated on his version of the truth versus her version of the truth, and the moral of the story is listen to the white man at the end yeah. of the day in this one. Um, 
Uh, I saw this movie it, as a it's kid. Literally, it's listen to the what? Um. <laughs> it's, it's listen to the white man, despite the fact that ultimately what happened is that he got a blowjob <laughs> and, and ripped her panties off, like physically ripped them in half, and then right at the moment of penetration decided not to. Can we just like get it straight to that? And and they paint an image in this movie in which Michael Douglas could really not have gotten away from this situation. Um, they do the best that they can to um, kind of make him as innocent as possible in the situation, but, like, there just isn't a world where your erect penis is in a woman's mouth and it's not your fault. Like, right. it, it, there just isn't. Yeah. I mean... You, you had a... Uh, you had um, um, a, bus, a couple by ways of... I had, I had a couple in witches... Um, my first one was uh, Disclosure, a film in which Michael Douglas quote-unquote does the right thing by telling Demi Moore to fuck her champagne bottles instead of him because he's a family man despite having just accepted a blowjob from and fingering her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, like the definition um, of what he did uh, it, like when the movie was made in 1994 was like not even first base and yeah. now like these are all things that are like not only consensual but borderline criminal <laughs> it's, li- it's literally the entire and his wife is totally good with it because like essentially he's like he's like all I did was get head and finger her we didn't fuck well he he releases information very slowly like yeah, he parses it out meal. to her he's just like he's like yeah you know well we kissed and then two scenes later he's like well she kissed like my penis and then like two scenes after that she's like you ripped her panties off and he was like I did but yeah. that was all and like he brings her with her and the whole time you're him. supposed to be siding with this guy as if what he's doing is the morally correct maneuver yeah. ne- never mind dude this poor woman his wife so like first First, he tells her nothing while like paying for lawyers and law consultations to handle the situation and deal with mediation. He yes. finds out he finds out because his coworker, the 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 omnipotent Dennis Miller, uh, <laughs> spills the beans, and that that he tells her such a truncated version of the situation, yet still has her come with him to court mediation. Right, that um, was bizarre. A, as like to show the moral barometer and, like, make the case for him that, like, look, my wife is on my side as if they weren't going to get there and all the details were going to come out. So his wife, the first time he finds... Like, she's sitting there in the room while a lawyer is like, and then your penis went into her mouth. And he's like, yes, absolutely. But it's like what you're saying is, like, and I just want to reinforce this, is, like... Why did Michael Douglas wait until the court mediation of the thing to disclose more than half of the sexual acts that he did with this woman? Like, he thought it wasn't going to come out. Like, he brings his wife. Imagine, like, I know we're skipping so far ahead, but, like, imagine a situation in which, like, two people in a corporate setting have accused each other of sexual assault, and the only witness present in this mediation is just the man's wife, and she's just sitting there, like, at one point they read, uh, so... At one point, they're asking Demi, like, you know, what did he say about his wife? What did he say about his family? (laughs) And Demi Moore, like, and granted, he did kind of say this, but she reframes it in the cruelest way possible. She's like, she's like, well, you know, he said that his wife really hasn't lost the weight since having the last kid. Like, and she's sitting there and has to listen to it. It's just like. It's cringe. Yeah. It's cringy, and, and but not in a way that, that they devised. Then, she says that, and then as evidence, they put down pictures yes. of the wife. Yes, like pre-pregnancy thin. <laughs> Dude, it's just like the message that this movie is trying to send, while at all at all opportunities still managing to objectify every woman in it constantly, is hilarious. Yes, like when Demi Moore's yes. character, Demi Moore, who was supposed to be like the the predator everyone else is supposed to be demi moore's victim like she's first introduced to the movie and like the first conversation we have about her is uh dennis miller asking about like asking for details and he's just like she attractive great rack nipples like pencil erasers like to his to his little cubicle farm full of like women co-workers (laughs) (laughs) and and everyone's just like just rolling their eyes like oh dennis um 
his workplace, um, <laughs> this is where we need to kind of start this out because, and I, and I want everyone to know that there are, there are two movies inside of Disclosure. One of them is a parable about sexual harassment and how men can be as victimized as women, totally questionable. The <laughs> other plot line um, is a techno thriller written by <laughs> Michael Crichton that involves VR, computer chip processing, CD-ROM speed, Malaysian governmental interference yeah, on, said, like, on said CD-ROMs, corporate espionage, Donald Sutherland pr- potentially being gay, um, and his boss, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> One of my notes just says Donald Sutherland is the GOAT. <laughs> Um, but I think I think really to open this movie up, and, and what's funny is there are these two disparate plot elements, but, and what's so shameful about this movie is that the one plot element that you have, um, the sexual harassment thing, it's a lot of gray areas, it's a lot of he said, she said, it's a lot of like versions of the truth and blah, 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 but the virtual reality computer chip thing ends up reinforcing the sexual harassment thing in Michael Douglas's favor, such that it really makes Demi Moore not only look like like a false accuser, but like the entire company was bought in on this being their evil, dastardly plans. <laughs> yeah, it also indicates that women are incompetent in the workplace. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's like the at the end. The, it's like the woman's final grasp in this movie is to like accuse Michael Douglas of being incompetent, which is just like blows up in her face. Yeah, and Donald just, Sutherland's final speech is like, "I may have been too fast in trying to dude, integrate okay, and elevate women in the workplace." All right. I, I guess we're gonna. I guess we're just gonna spoil this now. But like one of the most hilarious moments in this entire movie is that. Donald Sutherland has two speeches to his company throughout the film. The first speech takes place in the first 25 minutes or so and involves him saying that he's hiring um, Meredith, Demi Moore's character, um, to break the glass ceiling, which in the 1990s in the corporate world is, you know, having women in the workplace doing ostensibly men's jobs. Um, And that speech is actually a moment of of real diverse levity in this movie where it seemed like somebody had a brain in their head but they make sure to follow that up with his second speech wherein he confirms entirely <laughs> where he realizes how wrong he was to his entire company he literally says i don't have the quote written down but he literally says i tried to break the glass ceiling but instead of looking for a woman i should have looked for the right person for the job right, right. <laughs> which was just the worst messaging to fu- to put in the last three seconds of the movie dude it was ter- it's like as if you didn't get it from us hammering it on the head for two full hours now we're just gonna have like the boss character <laughs> announce that women are ridiculous and then that's yeah. the end of the movie um anyway i love this movie um <laughs> uh I, I love everything about this movie uh the fact that it opens up with a shot of the internet explorer logo over a black <laughs> screen there's nothing else on the screen i thought that like Lawnmower Man was silly because it opened up with a description of VR. Turns out nothing is sillier than just a a movie opening with the rotating Internet Explorer logo from 1994. Yeah, and mind you, the internet in this 26-year-old film works faster and cleaner than it does yes. even now. It, it works better than my iPhone. It is unbelievable. <laughs> I assume, Dan, that when you start a movie that I recommended and it opens up with the Internet Explorer logo. It's, like, tantamount to, like, when you send me a movie and I open it up and it's, like, The Offspring is already playing. <laughs> or like, like, And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, here we fucking go. Is that the feeling? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but is that the feeling you got when this started? A hundred percent. I was like, this is going to be Lawnmower Man all over again. Um, would you say you had a better time with this than Lawnmower Man? Oh uh, yeah, exponentially. Okay. But like, it, this is one of those situations where like, I, I forget the last time it happened, but on the podcast. But I, I don't. I, I feel weird about saying I enjoyed the movie. Right, we're gonna have to was, talk about that with this one. <laughs> it's absolutely reprehensible. I in hear all you, ways. brother. I hear you. But I, I was, I'm so fucking like, like from a sociological standpoint, I'm, so, I was so fucking interested in, in the amount of effort that was put into making sure that this film happened. You want to hear something bizarre? Um, um, besides the fact that this movie made $214 million because <laughs> I looked that up right away. Wow. I was like, I was like, surely this movie must have been panned. No. Was it not? $214 million is what this made. Right. I mean, I saw this movie when I was probably 9 or 10 years old. 
Um, it was in and around me wanting to see everything related to Michael Crichton. Um, <laughs> I rented it at Blockbuster, and it really... And again, like, I... I must have known I had a foresight for these kinds of things because at nine years old I watched it and was like, that made me feel terrible. <laughs> like, I feel terrible after watching that. Like, the VR stuff was engaging at some level, um, but most of it was just, like, really... It hit me the wrong way. So maybe two or three years ago when I started collecting old VHS tapes again, I got disclosure and hadn't seen it since then and watched it while I was cooking. And again, this was one of those situations where I stopped everything I was doing and just pulled a chair directly up to my VHS player and stared at my TV for two hours straight. Like just un, just unbelievable in, in its, in its audacity, this movie at times. Um, yeah. Which is more than I can say about a lot of movies we watch on this podcast. Um, but um, yeah, let's start with the office that he works in. Now, Michael Douglas, uh, as you can imagine, it's the 90s. Michael Douglas is hot. He's trim. He's rock hard. He's got to be working somewhere amazing. If it's not in Wall Street or anything like that, it's in an offshoot of Silicon Valley found in yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, uh, no, well, Seattle is um, where Microsoft headquarters is. Mm-hmm. So in the 90s, before Silicon Valley, so Seattle was like the hotbed for tech. Oh, okay. All right. So this is based on reality. I like that. Um, yeah. So um, the thing with Michael Douglas is he lives in, in where that he has to take a ferry into Seattle. I don't fucking know. Um, every day, Michael Douglas takes the ferry from wherever into Seattle to his office. This included another 90s anachronism of technology that cracked me the fuck up. Um, he was talking to this guy who's kind of like the representation of like um, disparaged white men in the workplace. He's meant to kind of represent to Michael Douglas what he could potentially become, I would say. He's right. talking to this very sad guy on oh, the ferry. Oh, oh. The guy, yeah, yeah. Who's okay. lamenting that, like, you know, technology has passed him by and blah, 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 blah. Michael Douglas doesn't what want to hear it. Totally blowing him off. <laughs> so he's like, hold on, I've got to make a call. And he, like, pulls out his phone and he puts it up to his ear. And mind you, this phone is the size of, like, a banana. And, like, it's it kind of looks like a boomerang. It's, right. it's massive. And the guy looks at him and he goes, smaller, cheaper, faster, better. Looking at that phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, technology these days, man, it's just about smaller, cheaper, better, faster. And, like, Michael Douglas is holding a fucking boomerang up to his hair. And, like, (laughs) also... He's like, oh, this thing? As if that's not what technology has always been about since the dawn of time. (laughs) Right. Um, Like, less resource-intensive to make, more efficient, less uh, real estate to be taken up by it. That's the entire trajectory of all technology from the dawn of human history. 100%. Um, so he gets to his office now. Uh, again. And, and what an office it is. Could definitely take a <laughs> solid hour on this one. Um, I do have some thoughts about what his office looks like and and how it generally operates. Um, Dan, does this look at all like the office you work in? No. It does not look like no. my office either. <laughs> um, if anything, it would be closer to my previous office but Uh that was like a very uh 2010s um uber woke corporate environment right um but in terms of scale i'd say it looked similar to that this is a giant office um michael douglas's office looks like uh the house from 13 ghosts crossed with the set of the 90s tv show roundhouse um, it's basically two SNL sound stages stacked on top of each other. A brick-walled neo-deco monstrosity comprised of every style of IKEA workspace and demo Southwestern-style family room ever conceived. A series of multi-tiered, multi-leveled, interconnected lofts with no privacy whatsoever. A post-yuppie pre-Silicon Valley behemoth with labyrinthine-connected fuckaroos that crisscross and house the bright and talented middle-aged tech weirdos that talk in sexually charged innuendos and and wear clothes that are either too casual or entirely too formal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Um, Dennis Miller is one of these people. Um, Dennis Miller is unbelievable in this movie, just like <laughs> as an enigma. Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Miller basically, like, they were like, okay, y- you will be on screen in this movie 8%. Of, of the two hours. How are you going to parse this out? And he was like, I'm going to be as absurd as I possibly can in all situations and say maybe two or three lines normally. 
<laughs> they were like, okay, that's that's what this movie needs is that wisecracking wit, and his jokes were, aw- I mean, awful, like awe-inspiringly bad. Yeah, why, like, why, why Dennis Miller? <laughs> like at this point, what had Dennis Miller done besides Weekend Update? Um, I don't know. It doesn't look like anything. He kind of looks like a bum in this movie. Um, and he talks like a sailor, and it's just really bizarre. It's a bizarre vibe that this guy gives off. And and, and, and honestly, some of the things he says are worse in terms of verbal sexual harassment than anything that Michael Douglas does or does not do to Demi Moore. Yeah, no, he's a foul character. Um, so... I mean, it would take us maybe a couple months to do, but... Um, and, like, now now what we know is, Den- uh, like, who Dennis Miller ended up being. Like, now he's, like, a Fox News pundit. Like, right. it, all, it all comes together. But as a kid, <laughs> I fucking loved Dennis Miller. I thought he was, like, a really smart, intellectual guy. Yeah. But, like, now in retrospect, of course he was in this movie. He probably read this script and he was like, yeah, we need to show these whores... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yes. And I would not be surprised if, like, Dennis Miller gets me too and, like, literally any day now. Yeah. He's, like, the Fox News correspondent version of, um... Um... What's his face? I don't know. He sucks. I'm really it disappointed just, with him in this movie. <laughs> it's weird, because, like, you could tell he was trying to act and play a character because he didn't do his, like, head bob thing that he always does, like, his whole shtick, you know, like, his cadence to speak in Babe, where he's, like, that all of his punchlines have his head, like, uh, to, like, emphasize how fucking stupid everyone he's talking to is. Like, he's just, like, there was none of that, but all of his, uh, like, actual... Uh, speech pattern mannerisms were exactly the same as the regular way he speaks so the only difference the only way he was acting was not doing his fucking like head bob thing and he was like like Barry Levinson was like strong choice Dennis who was the dude who's like the fireman on the fireman show not Dennis Leary Dennis Leary Dennis Leary and Dennis Miller are like are interchangeable to me Um, no oh no Dennis um, Dennis, Dennis Leary is a good stand-up. Is far better, but both of them, it's the same shtick, and I could live without both of them for the rest of my life. I love to smoke. I smoke 10,000 packs a day. Um, He's tracheotomy man! So, uh, <laughs> as we kind of transition... Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on, let's talk about Dennis Leary. <laughs> I don't want to. He's got that song, I'm an asshole, he's an asshole, you know? And there's, know. Uh, there's the one line that's like... <laughs> Sometimes I park in handicapped spaces while handicapped people make handicapped faces. <laughs> That's good for a cold open. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, uh, shout out Rescue Me. Uh, it, it, it the movie is two hours long. It takes about that long to even conceivably understand what Michael Douglas's company is doing in this office. <laughs> um, the best that I could kind of tell they that it boils down to is that they're basically like an fmv video production house slash cd-rom producer yeah but they're like really hinging their future on uh the release it's basically like the entire plot of silicon valley where they're hinging their future on the release of some cutting edge technology Mm -hmm. okay here's it's silicon valley by way of succession where they are just trying to yes force a merger happen to ostensibly save the company right because the company is in objectively worse shape than they are presenting and all of the fuckery that's happening that's like the actual a plot is really undermining their nefarious plans to basically merge with a far healthier company um from whom they are withholding information um it's during this kind of merger process uh that they bring in demi moore and demi moore Um, has to give a speech to the entire company off the bat, which they kind of cut away from, but I was laughing so fucking hard at it. Um, It is a speech that is about their company and how they're kind of like making CD-ROMs process faster, but in in the ramp up to it, um, 
uh, they turn on screens on the left and right of Demi Moore, and there's like pictures of like religious imagery, and she she literally says, "We offer you something that religion never could." Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. And they're they're literally talking about like FMV video, like <laughs> the lowest form of compressed video that like has ever existed. Um, yeah. Well, she no, I for that she was referring to the VR. I don't think she was specifically referring to the VR with that. The VR, uh, and as they talk about in the movie, it's kind of like a half project that no one's taking seriously, even though it kind of seems like the coolest project. Um, for most of the movie, they're like, this is something we're working on, but we're not ready to demo. Um, That's what they're saying behind the scenes, but the entirety, like what they've been presenting to the other company that they're merging with is that this thing is like about to be good to go. Like when they're she, baiting. When she says we offer you something that religion never could, she is not talking about the corridor, which is that VR system. She is most definitely referring to just their company's production as a whole. Um, okay. And, and that. I mean, either way. Either way. Right. Yeah. Either way. Like <laughs> a VR game where you literally are walking around a series of file cabinets, which is yeah. what the corridor essentially is. Um, way more than I ever got from nine years of fever school yeah i mean i mean for me and you maybe but like <laughs> to say that it offers you something that religion never could like what the ability to store 10 documents before it's full i can i can say with complete confidence that the first time i ever used ps4 vr did more for my spirituality than any time i've ever spent in a synagogue <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you, but at the same time, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a VR game. It's called The Corridor, where you wear a set on your head, and you're in a fully laser-tracked motion space. Um, it All that it is, um, you enter this world. It's this beautiful, um, op, just beautiful, opulent, like like church that you're in basically um it's these gorgeous graphics you're fully immersed in it and it's basically just a usb drive um you you can have like yeah, a couple videos some documents inside of it <laughs> it's like um if you ever that's the entire were, if you ever thing. use like an, an oculus headset with your phone like the one that your phone plugs into yeah just you can the ability to go through your apps just use it to nap yeah exactly you you know you can navigate and just like nod your head to click on something it's it's that but it's like, 1994 and there are no apps it's literally just either a document or a yeah, short video that exactly. you can access um, exactly but the, the to be fair the buffering time on these videos is stellar but dan in 1994 <laughs> you could open your computer screen and look at a picture or potentially a video you do yeah, not need to e be it was equally mind blowing <laughs> you do not need to be in a virtual recreation of the sistine chapel to enjoy like your homework it's no. it's a nonsense vr thing that they're working on it's complete MacGuffin, <laughs> and it's utterly ridiculous that at some point in the movie it directly factors into the sexual harassment plot where michael douglas needs to put the helmet on and like go into the corridor to look up documents about, like, the Malaysian interference. Yeah, as opposed to the, just going into a computer. <laughs> could easily have gone into the computer, because then you have Demi Moore, who is... Okay, now, imagine, if you will, right? <laughs> imagine, if you will, two people who are accusing each other of sexual harassment. One of them is wearing a VR helmet and is fully immersed in the Sistine Chapel world of the corridor. <laughs> Um, running, having to physically run from place to place to look at files. Meanwhile, Demi Moore is accessing the corridor, by the way, through just her computer. Yeah. She's represented in Michael Douglas's all CGI world that he's in as just her headshot, the photo, with a wireframe body below it, right? She is deleting things at such a rate that harrowing. <laughs> she is deleting things at such a rate that he cannot keep up with it, right? The yeah. whole point of the corridor is to more quickly and better access your files, and yet you have someone who's on a computer outpacing him at every step. Yeah. As he's fully in this world. Who could have known that a situation where you have to physically dig through files <laughs> virtually, which, you know, was the whole purpose of creating computers, is to avoid having to do that. Exactly. Who knows that that could have been outpaced by a person just highlighting a bunch of files and clicking a delete key. Dan, smaller, faster, cheaper, better. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Keep that in mind. Um, the Corridor is one of the funniest elements of this movie. It's like it's like a fucking like, techno-punk fucking cyberpunk 
purgatory where he's just running from door to door to try to find these files and <laughs> scroll through them as quickly as possible. Like, why couldn't he just use the computer? <laughs> well, because they locked him out of everything. That was the whole thing. I know, but when he, goes, that, when he they goes... They locked him out of everything, so he had to go into someone who had access to the VR world. I think you're underselling it. He had to break into the <laughs> hotel room of his bosses, put on a VR headset... Activate a laser machine, which he stood in and actively walked around in. Um, and, and, dude, the fucking computer is sitting right there. He didn't need to turn that program on at all. He should have just no. logged in and gotten him. I mean, he did end up on top, though. Yeah, in multiple ways. Um, <laughs> so like he, he faced literally zero repercussions. His like literally like, this movie is it's a movie in which he uh, he gets passed over for a, uh, a raise. So he goes and massages his new boss, then gets a blowjob from his new boss, penetrates her with his digits, mm-hmm. um, physically rips her panties, um, gets drinks. I believe they said like a fifteen thousand dollar bottle of wine with yep. her. Um, None of which is cheating, by the way. She bas- she basically accuses him of sexual harassment because he won't finish the job, because um, that's where the line really matters. Um, and like ultimately, his repercussions are that his wife is mad for a, a moment because he lies repeatedly through his teeth to her the entire time, despite using her as like his trump card in court. Um, every time they go to court, she finds out more information. Every time, he's just like, well, what could I have done, babe? Like, what could I have done? She forced my <laughs> cock into her mouth. Like, and she's like, okay. My and then she, 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 she's like, you know what? You're right. And then kisses him goodbye, which, like, how do you get that relationship? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just live for Michael Douglas, like, in a formal legal setting, just having to go, my penis. Yeah. Yeah. That constantly. really did it for me a lot. Yeah, the word, uh, the word cock was nowhere to be found, dude. And you can tell that Barry Levinson was really trying to like. It, it's like they're trying to make this statement while also trying really hard to be like titillating. So there's all these scenes where like, they're like, "Hey, the, like Demi's lawyer is like Demi, could you please into the recorder very softly and sultrily describe all the vibrators in which Michael Douglas used on you 20 years ago. (laughs) And I was just like, wait, what? And she's like, yes, vibrators, nipple clamps, sodomy. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot believe sodomy was, like, on the record. That was awesome. Yeah, Um, and, like, any movie where Dylan Baker shows up, like, I know there's gonna be some weird sex things going on, but... Speaking of weird sex things going on, I want to talk about Donald Sutherland uh, in this movie... There's a few things I want to talk about with Donald Sutherland. Um, He has some of the best lines in the movie. Um, He has my absolute favorite line in the entire movie. What's that? (laughs) Um, This is America, goddammit. The legal system is supposed to protect people like me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was a good one. Um, So true. (laughs) And and here's the thing. He said a few things in the movie that was so true. Like, I kept saying to myself, like, wow, they're like, Michael Crichton's putting some good thought into this character, even though he's objectively like the scummiest character in the entire movie um at one point um at one point he's talking about um like he said she said with michael douglas they're having a car ride where michael is basically saying i'm not gonna back down i'm gonna keep suing i'm i need my version of the truth to be told and Donald Sutherland says... He's like, well, I need to speak my truth. Well, he says, my ver- uh, uh, Michael Douglas says, my version of what happened isn't a version. And then fucking Donald Sutherland goes, it's always someone's version. That's the way of the future. All information and no truth. And I was like, what? That is fucking prolific. You knew, yeah. And like this movie did not did not predict anything correctly about the, the climate of sexual harassment or the use of VR in the corporate workplace. <laughs> but it did forecast a world in which there is no truth, which I, I enjoyed very much. Um, yeah, what I didn't I mean, enjoy was the scene in which he's talking to his guy that's like under him, his like snivelly rat that does his bidding. Um, are you talking about Dylan Baker? Yeah, Dylan Baker. 
Yeah, um, who y'all might of know as, as yeah from Happiness. The, the, the yes, I I fucked him. Yes, <laughs> yes, guy. I fucked him. Um, what do you think it's like to be married to that guy in real life? I I mean, assume you're probably a man first of all. And, like uh, he he only plays the most despicable characters. <laughs> Was he not in Flubber? I think as well. Oh no, wait, no, that's Shooter McGavin. I don't know. I, I went downstairs last night and she was watching The West Wing and he was on the screen and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh fuck, Dylan Baker!" And I, I, go, I go, "Is that character a scumbag?" And she goes, "Yeah, how do you know?" And I was like, "Dylan Baker, baby." <laughs> he's he's got a fucking type, that's for sure. Um, so he's talking to Dylan Baker and Dylan Baker's like, "Well, we can't bring this to court. We're gonna have to mediate." And then Donald Sutherland goes, mediate, I want you to cut his balls off. And then violently grabs Dylan Baker by his balls. <laughs> like, and this is a movie in which, like, they're bringing a sexual harassment case up to him that's happening in their workplace that could potentially ruin a, like, multi-million dollar merger. And his first move is to squeeze his assistant's balls as hard as he um, can. It is a $2 billion merger. Oh, was it? Jesus yeah. Christ. That doesn't even make sense. I mean... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just feel so blessed that I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like, right before watching this movie, because the Donald Sutherland yeah, Donald heel, heel turn was dramatic. <laughs> um, there's a scene in which Michael Douglas, uh, after he is, like, raped by Demi Moore into putting his penis into her mouth... Um, <laughs> He um, has a nightmare where he gets in the elevator um, with his he's balls. Like, he's like, no, 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 as he's like twiddling her nipples. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. It's like uh, the softest rape ever filmed, honestly. Um, uh, and Demi Moore makes the point later that like, they're like, wouldn't you, his lawyer's like, wouldn't you agree that no means no? Isn't that what we're always telling women? And Demi is like, wouldn't you agree that sometimes no means yes? And I'm like, oh, that's the message they're going for here? That's, yeah, that's one of many good messages <laughs> they went for. <laughs> um, She's like, sometimes no just means that, like, it's about the thrill of the hunt. <laughs> but, like, they also portray, like, Demi Moore as such, like, a serial rapist in this movie. Her energy is... So, so off-putting. Oh, um, yeah, and they said that um, in her previous... She had I seven previous subordinates ten. or something. Ten? <laughs> okay, ten of Demi Moore's previous male subordinates have quit in recent memory, is what yeah. was said. And it's yeah. like, dude, wh- how does anyone operate still after ten of their subordinates quit under, like, mysterious sexual circumstances? It's so absurd, dude. They make her look so bad. Um, oh, but the dream with Donald Sutherland is just like he gets into an elevator with his boss, Donald Sutherland, and Donald Sutherland is like asking him, like, is that a new suit? Blah, blah, blah. And like it gets weird. And then Donald Sutherland just tries to make out with him with his tongue <laughs> hanging out. So, like, this is a movie in which Donald Sutherland like grabs a man by his balls, like, tries to make out with another man. It's just like such an off the wall character that they gave this guy. And. <laughs> And, and still, like, I've seen this movie now th- maybe three times. I think there, it's, it's another example of trying to indicate that men are more likely to be victims of sexual harassment at all. Cause sure. Not only do they have to deal with power, with, with the, the messages with the rise of powerful women in the workplace, surely men will be abused now. They also and show on top of that, men good. also have to deal with gay men. They show his secretary, Michael Douglas' secretary at the end of the movie, slaps him open palm full on the ass as a joke. Yeah. So, like, the messages are are in the film multiple places, like, it's just so sleazy, dude. What the fuck? Dude, like, what is Barry Levinson's problem, dude? Uh, Some of the movies he makes, like, he always has this, like, forced sentiment to anything he's ever made, and some of them are so, like, wrongheaded, it's really just pathetic to watch sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, it, it is he does. It, they do make a good point in that while really what we're being presented with is on paper just a simple situation of uh, someone forcing their power against an employee and then turning that back on them to sabotage their life. It really is like presented as a very terrifying situation. Michael Douglas. Oh yeah. It, it feels the stakes very are extremely high for him. They're uh, 
yeah, it's very Hitchcockian. <laughs> the old, the biggest threat for him all along is that he might have to move to Austin, Texas. Yeah, that's um, like the white man's worst case scenario. Yeah, it's like you know, I never really thought of any of this. Like, we really need to do something about this sexual harassment in the workplace thing. Like, so that oh is pretty God. effective. Um, I, okay. Like I mean, now that I realize this could affect me, like. You're telling me that I could end up in a situation where Demi Moore is blowing me, and that's gonna that could ruin my life. <laughs> um, I feel like at this point we've gone on um, a lot about like what this movie did wrong. Um, I, I don't know if there's really even space to say what it particularly did right because I don't want people to think that I'm like. Um, you know, giving the same kind of condemnation to this movie that I would give to, like, Cuties, where, where like, I would never tell anyone to watch Cuties, but, like, I would absolutely tell I would people. tell everybody to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is a movie that you show people to be like, oh, look how far we've come as a society, that we can all watch this and, like, laugh at the, like, it's clear the absurdity of it, right. when at the time when this came out, this there were $214 million worth of moviegoers being like, Oh my god, this tracks. 100%, I was one of them. At nine, at nine years old. Um, <laughs> your, your biggest fear was getting abused by Demi Moore. I, I, like, growing up at that period of my life, I really viewed the competitive adult workplace as simply something from a Michael Douglas movie. Yeah, how could you not? <laughs> it, it was either that or, like, the bank and the mask. <laughs> right, yeah, that's another good one. That's another feasible workplace slash art deco nightmare that no one would ever work inside of. Um. <laughs> when I was a kid, when I saw the mask, I thought that banks all looked like that. Like, I thought I that like, any building in the city just looked like that. <laughs> yeah, and then the first time my parents took me with them to a bank, I was like, what the fuck is this depressing shit? <laughs> like, the first time I went to New York City, I was like, this is not Gotham City at all. <laughs> I feel misrepresented. I have, um, I have one question yeah. that I was very confused by. Yes. Um, and it involves the third act where Michael Douglas is, like, putting everything together of how he's going to bring the company down and what they're actually planning for him and how he's being set up. Before you ask this, though, Dan, I'm going okay. to let you know up front, I've seen this movie more than most people see any movie, and yet I still don't understand anything that happened in it. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, in terms of, like, is Donald Sutherland aware of the sexual harassment weeks beforehand? Is he aware of Demi Moore? Is he encouraging her? I have no idea. I still do not know. Yeah, and I'll get to another thing that I don't know, but first, we, uh, there, there's a moment where it appears that Michael Douglas has... So, Michael Douglas gets his hand on a recording of the whole situation. Oh my um, god, yeah, I forgot so, about all this. So, they're able to play the... It, like, so far, the mediating sessions are going very far against his favor. Yes. So, he, he puts... Demi Moore's like doing some real crocodile tears and winning. So right. he, he presents this recording where you hear him say no uh, 31 times, um, <laughs> literally, as they emphasize. But, but again, Dan, having watched the scene, you and I, even right. though in that scene he does say no 31 times, would you say that he is still complicit? I'd say, he, I mean, I'd say he's complicit to a degree. Like, I, he, what? It was certainly still sexual harassment. Like, he resisted. There is, he right. gave it. He gave into it, and there is a power dynamic at foot. But like his like, wife says, no matter what the law says, what happened isn't going to change that. And I think, like, right. what he did is a hundred percent something he could have avoided. Yeah, and there was still ultimately the moment where he reacted by grabbing her by the hair and flipping her onto a table to like try to go down on her. <laughs> like um, But they're they're having He's like, is this having, what you want? Yeah, yeah, for real. He was You want yeah. me to fuck you with my penis? Was like his his vibe for and she's like, Yes, that's what this is all about. And yeah. he's like, Would that make you happy? Like it's just yeah. so stupid. And the funny thing is that he doesn't it doesn't like the shift in that moment where he realizes that he shouldn't is because he lays her down on the table and looks out and there's a little crack in the office shade and he's able to see his office and once he sees his office he's like oh I shouldn't do this what no that's, I, I I didn't read that as what happened there at all I thought he looked into the window and and maybe I don't know maybe his office was there I don't think so but I thought he just saw his reflection 
on top uh, of her. I thought he, he was no. like looking over <laughs> into, into like his VR lab, and he's but, like, "This is gonna ruin my work." No, no. <laughs> no, dude, way. he's a better character than that. It's way funnier, by the way. Yeah, he's it's like, way this funnier. Is ruin my VR. <laughs> no, it's way funnier, but no, the the character they presented did not uh, look at his VR okay. set. Okay, wait. So, uh, all right, so they're, they're in mediation, and they play this audio recording, which is very damning of Demi's character. And even then, she's starting to make the good point. She's starting to make a couple good points. Like, he still ripped my panties. Like, yes, it started that way, but then he gave into it. Like, blah, blah, blah. They caught her in a lie about when and how the wine was acquired and the cost of it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then she, like, kind of just, like, loses it and goes on this huge rant about, like, women's power and women's sexuality and, like, how yeah. she likes just, like, just, like, Getting aggressively pounded. banging dudes. Yeah. Like, and she she's loses. Like, and what? And what if I want to be pounded? And, yeah, right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, Michael Douglas won, great. At Meanwhile, point, her lawyer has a huge erection the yeah. entire time, is sweating <laughs> profusely. <laughs> so I, at this point, when it seems like the good guys win, I did my usual thing, which is a horrible habit as a film watcher, where I paused the movie to see how much time was left. <laughs> so I see that there's then 25 minutes left, okay, I'm like... Yeah. I'm like, oh, he did not win. <laughs> so moments later, she gets into the elevator and talking to Dylan Baker, and they're like, he has no idea, does he? He thought he won. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so here they're somehow going to make it that... Right. That... Oh, no, sorry. First, they announce immediately that Demi Moore is fired, um, and that they're going to give him... That, 100, she will that, be, that she will be fired she after will be the fired. presentation. Yeah, they're going to give him a $100,000 bonus and, like, a promotion. And you're like, okay, good guys win. Then it's clear that that's not what's going to happen. Quote-unquote good guys continue. Yeah, right. So they're (laughs) setting him up in some way. So then it becomes about him figuring out how they're going to fuck him. Mm -hmm. So he gets to his office. Which I just want to say, before you go any further, like, just imagine, guys, for two hours you're watching a movie that is 10% a techno thriller about... VR and 90% about sexual harassment and like Dan said they literally end the plot about sexual harassment and then there is another entire quarter of a movie that is pure techno thriller that has absolutely nothing to do with sexual harassment yeah right um, yeah sorry right. No, so he he gets um, he gets to his office. Um, he opens a drawer to find out that one of his discs is missing. So he's like, "Okay, that's unusual. Someone's planning something against me." He calls his lawyer to be like, "They're trying to sabotage me somehow." He opens his desk so, and there is an empty CD case. Continue. Yeah, there's an empty CD rom because that's how you handle evidence. That's you, right. op- you, you open a jewel case and take the disc out and leave the open jewel oh, case. Fuck. Uh, right, um, okay. So he goes. Down to his VR lab. Yes. Um, to oh, and there's been this there's this like D plot the entire time of like the VR doesn't work that good. Like he's been trying to tell everyone that it doesn't work that good. He can't figure out why it doesn't work that good. Um, so he goes and he sees that people have been like rummaging through his area and they show this like what looks to me to be like hard drives wrapped in aluminum space foil to like indicate that they're like future spooky hard drives but there's like a there's like a syringe sticking out of it that's like half full of like like uh, like fluorescent green liquid showing yes. that someone was like injecting space <laughs> yes, liquid yes. into the hard drives. 100%. Is that what the implication was there? Is that the way they're sabotaging him is by injecting liquid into his fucking hard drive? I, I think that in like, and then I'm speaking completely out of my ass at this point, but like it's like in Malaysia, somewhere around the production line, they were squirting these hard drives so that they would come out all janky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just want everyone to know, like, I, I'm an avid watcher of Star Trek. I, I've never mentioned it on the podcast before. Often in Star Trek, um, they start talking in techno babble, but the writers of Star Trek always knew that to use certain, it's kind of like Latin almost, where if you know the root of a word, it gives you and informs you on what kind of technology is being discussed, what kind of things are being achieved. Nowhere in this movie were you given the context clues you needed to understand his job. So anytime that all four characters or whatever in the scene are fully discussing the technology, it's literally impossible to follow. Yeah, because it's like listening to a bunch of nerds speak be, in like but, Python. But also, Dan, it's because now we know, you know, being in 2020, that what they were talking talking about didn't even make sense at the time so we're not only out of step from it 
because it's dated, but we're out of step from it because it's nonsense and dated. Yeah. It's so hard to understand they, his they job. They could have just said that, like, our company's goal is to get you to be able to live inside a Sega Saturn FMV game. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they should have went all in with the Corridor as the company's production because yeah. what, what he was working like, on, Arcanum, I think was the company, or yeah, um, was, was absolute nonsense. It was something to do with a CD-ROM and video compression, but beyond that, it there were 150 lines yeah. In it's the, exactly in the final like Silicon Valley. The entire thing ultimately comes down to like revolutionary compression technology. But like, yeah, Dan, but don't compare it to something thing, like that. I mean, the, the entire thing that's being presented so far is that this is such a world of corporate espionage, where they two years earlier put wheels in motion to sabotage this technology by sending. Demi Moore in secret to Malaysia to fuck with the supply chain, then bring her in, predicting how Michael Douglas was going to react to allow that, him to be a patsy. Who did that? Did Donald, Donald Sutherland? Sutherland? Yeah, Donald so Sutherland. So then at the end of the fucking movie, when, when essentially Michael Douglas has won and everyone is applauding him and yada, 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 Donald Sutherland has no comeuppance whatsoever for masterminding all of this and ruining no, Demi and Moore's in fact, life. And in fact, he gets applauded by the entire corporation. I did not sit well with that at all. <laughs> at all, Dan. Because, like, while I didn't understand the length of his involvement, from the first few scenes, like, even before she sexually harasses him, they they literally are constantly cutting to Sutherland and his cronies and her, sitting in an office like old-school villains, just being like, oh, wait until we get him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> I still don't understand, like, why there needed to be a patsy. I don't understand why they needed yeah. to terminate. Dylan Baker's entire purpose is just to regularly remind Michael Douglas that, hey, they're just friends, right? I got your back. We're friends. <laughs> it didn't make but, sense. But Dan. the point I'm making is that there's such a multi-layered level of espionage and um, um, undermining and manipulation happening over such a long period of time that this is like, they're presenting like a very coordinated and skilled attack, yet the way that they ultimately, their downfall is that they clue Michael Douglas off because they left an empty jewel case in his desk <laughs> and then they leave a half-filled syringe sticking out of one of his hard drives. Yeah. It's like very just, weird. It's just like, but after they gave him his job back, I knowing know. that he's going to go to that office because that's know. where he works. And he pulls up and they're like, oh, here's my life work with a giant reanimator-esque syringe sticking out of it. Like why a company needs to execute sexual Machiavellian plans <laughs> against who is maybe their best employee is yeah. is not something I'll ever understand yeah, no matter how long we talk about employee it. They have. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, look at who else works at that company between Dennis Miller and like all the other cronies. He's he's a genius. They literally loud him as like a king in that office. Yeah, and they they even at one point um, one of the characters is like. Like, after he's well into getting fucked by the company, one of the characters points out, like, why are you still making all your decisions based on what's best for the company? And he's like, because I just care about the work so much. I know. He's, like, literally willing to sacrifice At least, like, Pierce Brosnan's life. work was, like, he thought it was going to save the world. Like, this work was, like, I want to be able to file fast, file computer files slower, but in 3D. Um, I watched an interview with Michael Douglas. There wasn't much video material, FMV material on this movie, but I watched an interview with him about Disclosure. He had a very, like, movie blues rental zone take. Um, <laughs> um, they were like, Michael, like, what? Um, what is this movie about? Like, it's causing a lot of controversy with the sexual harassment. And, and yada, yada, yada. He's, and like, he's like, I just wanted to touch Demi Moore's tits. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I wish. But um, his answer, dude, it was fucking... <laughs> He was like, it's not about sex. <laughs> he was like, he was like, it's about corporate greed. And it was like, what? Like his take was that it was about his corporate eyes glazed greed. over and he just went back into his fucking stump speech from the Wall Street press junket. No, it's like the it's the meme where like he spaces out and it's just him screaming no 31 times. <laughs> And then he tunes back in, and he's like, it's not about six. <laughs> um, Dan, uh, will you do me the esteemed pleasure of giving me your golden gun one out of ten rating review of 1994's Disclosure? Yeah, this is, this is a tough one, because... I hate this movie to my core, like, and everything <laughs> it represents, yet sure. I was 
completely engaged the entire time and absolutely loved watching it and immediately recommended it to like 10 of my friends. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like immediately insisted everyone would watch this as like an, an oh, yeah. artifact of yes. like, like of course, like it's like, how, how did Harvey Weinstein not produce this movie? I know, I was thinking the same thing. You took the words out of my mouth with that, honestly. <laughs> Which um, like, this really lends credence to the idea that like Hollywood is full of just like, like Harvey Weinstein's kind of the fall guy for a systemic issue. Cause like, if the amount of millions of dollars and green lights that had to happen for this to happen is is staggering. From the author like, of Jurassic Park. Right. So like what the fuck? This is not this is not a movie that I support, but it is a movie that everyone should watch as like a historical document mm-hmm. to see like, you know, we're this far removed where, like, yes, obviously, given the Me Too movement, there is a lot of progress that still needs to be made. But this just shows how fucking staggeringly horrible it was when we were kids. <laughs> like, the world that they live in is, like, truly mind-boggling to me that in, that in the movie where the whole issue is sexual harassment at every opportunity everyone is still sexually harassing each other yes. because they just haven't realized even after that, that counts as sexual harassment yeah like they're making they're, they're, they're basically like it only becomes sexual harassment once there's like a cock in a mouth like everything else is just playful is the ultimate message like of they, this movie. they bring up to dennis miller that sexual harassment's going on and he's like what did he get a boner and stick it in her pussy like right in the middle of the office like that is sexual harassment <laughs> like that is sexual harassment like even your reaction to it is sexual harassment <laughs> yeah dennis miller says the word boner like 30 <laughs> Dan, what would you give the 2000, 1994 movie um, Disclosure? I'm going to give Disclosure a 7. And Dan, I just want to let you know but that... I feel weird about it. Um, there's a lot more. If you thought this was a cultural artifact, I have a lot more tricks up my sleeve for this season, and I'm really glad that you enjoyed this as much as I did. I also gave this movie a 7. Um, I want to say a word about... Uh, because I've tried to several times, but we've got off the rails every single time. <laughs> I want to say th- uh, that the things that worked in this movie for me are a the score by Ennio Morricone, yeah, which was the fantastic, score is incredible. Um, it had synths, it had um, Hitchcocky intention, it had just all sorts of range. Um, you've been listening to it in the background this whole episode. Um, that was fantastic. This movie kind of reminded me of a movie that you really don't like, and that's Cape Fear. Um, in the, in, in the sense that it's just long and weird, perverse, <laughs> and from the 90s, full of bizarre performances and, and good cinematography and good movie making. Um, this is just classic shit. Um, it's, <laughs> it's definitely more sour and more terrible than any other Michael Douglas movie from the 90s. I highly suggest that if anyone hasn't seen the movie A Perfect Murder with Viggo Mortensen, that's Michael Douglas at his most Douglas-y. Um, he's, like, doing a parody of himself in that movie, basically. I love that movie. Obviously, Wall Street. Obviously, um, anything the that game. he's... Uh, you know, Fatal Attraction. Falling down. Any time where he's just like, <laughs> my penis. That is a movie that you need to see. Um, the Man is a Fucking Legend. I gave this movie a seven, but there's a world in which, like, if we only ever did bad movies on this podcast, this is like a nine in terms of, like, movies that you should go out, seek out, and, and watch with a loved one and just LOL at. Um, yeah, but there's also a world where this movie is, like, a two in terms oh, of, like... Well, 100%. Like, in terms of, like, overall, like, what it's trying to achieve. Like, if <laughs> like, the White House were to rate which films go into the National Film Library, it would not accept this movie. No, um, like this movie should be like burned. Like if 100%. they were trying, if there was like if the aliens came down and were like, we're gonna judge each country morally based on their artistic output, they'd oh. be like, fuck, hide disclosure quick. Yeah, we saw disclosure. Sorry, that's that's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, um, if you are gonna watch this from the lens of like, look how fucked up and stupid and wrongheaded this is, then this is a seven. Like, <laughs> but if you are going to watch this looking for a message that you want to internalize, <laughs> just don't. Dan, do you want to put on a VR helmet, go into the corridor, walk down the hallway, open up a file named Baby? <laughs> uh, hashtag uh, hustle life. Hustle um, logic. 
Michael Douglas in between drinking expensive glasses of wine I like to touch a baby <laughs> baby 